Welcome into The Harvest. I'm Andrew Stroud. Today's show is part two of our discussion on Church in the Harvest. Abigail and I share how we came to our present understanding and practice of church, and we talk about some of the challenges we faced. Then we describe what our churches look like and some basics of how we conduct our gatherings before finishing with the discussion of how Church in the Harvest looks like with kids. As I mentioned last episode, we're hoping these discussions generate questions and feedback from you because we're going to have our first Q&A show in the near future. So if you have questions about something we've covered in these two episodes, or maybe something we didn't cover that you were hoping we would, we want to hear from you. You can message us on Facebook or Instagram, or email your questions to info at intotheharvest.org. Hi friends, this is Abigail and I'm here with Andrew. Hi Andrew. Hey Abigail, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Andrew, guess what? What? This is our 10th episode. I can't even believe it. (laughs) We've made it. (laughs) We've made it. And really you guys out there listening, this is our halfway point. We have 20 episodes planned for this first sort of season of the Into the Harvest podcast and we are so grateful for all of you to come and join us in this endeavor as we really try to figure it out for ourselves. Um, And so we are thankful that you've been along for the first 10 episodes. We are at the halfway mark. Hopefully, it's just going to get better from here um, as we continue on and some really exciting stuff we have planned for you. But this is it. We're on episode 10. So it's, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's been um, a lot of fun. It's been a big learning curve for us, probably uh, mostly on the, the technology side. But I'm excited about doing the podcast. We are going to continue it into season two, but we did lay out 20 episodes for this first season. So yeah, episode 10 is definitely a milestone. It is. So it's only fitting that we're going to cover something really important to us, which is the second part in our kind of look at church and the harvest. So if you have somehow missed the first part to this little series, just go ahead and stop right now and go back and listen to it. We'll be right here waiting for you and then join us back because we really do think that that's sort of an important groundwork for what we're going to be talking about today. I do kind of want to go back over maybe what we did talk about just in case if it's been a week or two or you've slept since then. We really jumped into sort of our practical understanding of church and how it is practiced today. Um, and we we really did lay down some caveats there at the beginning where we told you, you know, Andrew and I are coming from a very Western, Protestant, evangelical point of view. And so um, if there's other sort of ways to come at it, which we know there are, we were not qualified. And so we just came at you from where we are coming from. Um, so we then jumped in with some super nerd action, um, talking about the Protestant Reformation. And we just gave you a recap of sort of how we, as in big we, the church, got to where we are today. And so we talked about how the Protestant Reformation came out of the Catholic Church, but that we still adhere to and have follow a lot of those uh, church forms that the Catholic Church sort of started for us, and we're still kind of following those forms today. And then we talked about just 
the very human nature of all of us um, that we love some formulas and some rules and some boxes to check off. Um, and that that was just something that we see, you know, even in the Bible and in just our tradition. Uh, we talked about the woman at the well and in John 4 and just how we see how it's just our natural tendency to want a form that we can follow and feel good about. But then we jumped straight into Acts, and we talked um, about Acts 2 and just what we see about the elements of the early church and what we can draw from that for how we then move forward as church today. So we are now going to head into the lowercase we of how we um, have arrived at what church is for us today, as lowercase we as in Abigail and Andrew. (laughs) So um, hopefully you guys will benefit from just the conversation we're going to have today where we just jump into, you know, how we have gotten to where we are um, of understanding of church. And then what are the unique opportunities and challenges that we've seen that are set apart from the traditional model and approach to church. So whenever you get away from that, you kind of run into some certain things that we kind of have all run into. And so we want to go over those and kind of get into maybe some practical things that you can take away from this experience. But before we dive into that, um, Andrew, are there any last thoughts from last week? We always end and we're like oh but we should have said that one thing so what is it Andrew what's the one thing we didn't tell them last time well I was as I was thinking about what we covered on our last episode the the idea of thinking about our understanding of church and our practice of church and thinking through four basic questions so you know what is church why is it important and then how does church operate and where does church happen, I think those are those are four things that we can sort of uh, find helpful in shaping our understanding and our practice of church. So what is it? Why is it important? How does it look? And then where does it happen? But I think we have to start with the question of what, understanding what church is. And last time we we made it clear that church is not a place or an event, which is how most of us tend to think about it. We have oftentimes confused church buildings and church services with church itself, and we did talk about how that's that's not the case. Those are connected with the where and the how of church, but they don't really get to, to answering the what or the why of church. So uh, that's important, and I just wanted to also say that there's nothing wrong with the traditional model of church that we're familiar with. But there's nothing particularly right about it either. And that was part of our point from from last time and why we wanted to go back at least to the Protestant Reformation and trace the last 500 years of church history so that we have a basis for understanding how we got here. So if we go back to the Bible, the Bible describes church in two primary ways. It describes church first and foremost as a family. And so God is our Father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we've become part of the family of faith, we're part of the household of God. The New Testament is replete with imagery and descriptions of church as a family. And the second way that it describes church is as a flock, and so Jesus is the good shepherd, we are the sheep who have been brought into into his flock, and Jesus described his mission as coming to seek and to save 
the lost. And he even gave the parable of the 99 sheep and the one who went astray. So those are the two big images that we find in the New Testament to describe what church is. It's a family. It's a flock. And the first thing I would say is what do these descriptions teach us about what church is and why it exists? And I think it shows us that church is about relationships and connections. It's about belonging. It's also about growth and maturing because those things are happening in families and flocks. It's about movement, learning how to follow the good shepherd together. Uh, I think it's about supporting one another and helping each other. And ultimately, I think it's about life. There should be births. There should be growth, uh, not only in individual members maturing, but in the family or the flock growing in, in numbers over time. So there's a lot, I think, that we can really glean if we stick with the Bible and how it describes church as, as family and flock. I think it also highlights uh, what leadership involves when it comes to church, that leaders are those who gather, guard, guide the community, and who groom next generation <laughs> leaders for the oh, church. <laughs> Andrew, did you just use all G words? <laughs> I did. Oh. And actually, we've got a couple of mission minutes. If uh, folks want to spend two minutes just to get a recap one of my on favorites. this, they can go back to mission minutes 55 and 56, where we talk about family and flock, and we talk about the four Gs of church leadership to gather, to guard, to guide and to groom, and how leadership should really be more about who is doing those things than what piece of paper someone has on their wall or what education that they've gone through. But all of that is to say, when we understand the what of church and why it's important, it really puts us in a position to begin to unravel the how of church, like how, how does it look, how does it work, and where can church be happening? Because if we just assume that we understand the what, then we're going to fall back on tradition. And we're probably never even going to feel the freedom to ask those questions of how, how should church look? Where can it be taking place? And so I would say um, we want to start there. We want to start with understanding what church is and why it's important from the scriptures, because then we're going to have a lot of freedom to live out our life as the church together in our our individual context. So, mm. and I think it's also going to enable us to be church in the harvest because it's going to give us the opportunity to be relevant to our our local culture and our local context and to meet people who are not yet in the family, who are not yet part of the flock and invite them in. So, that's uh that's something I wanted to mention before we get into some of the the nuts and bolts of of how we got to where we are today, Abigail, and what it looks like for us. But why don't we turn that corner and I'll throw it to you and say, how did you and Brett get to where you are today in your understanding and practice of church? What's your story? Yeah, you know, um I love what you just said and I think it really was for us when we started to ask that question of why. Um, because uh, when we moved to San Antonio, we were still doing traditional church for the most part. We were also involved with a ministry that did Bible studies in houses. And um, I think I've told you guys before, you know, we were involved with the navigators. So discipleship was really big. So we had all these elements that we were kind of trying to do them all. Um, and when we moved to San Antonio, someone there um, told us these crazy statistics that um, 60% of the non-church non-believers in in San Antonio, 
um, would actually not feel comfortable going into a traditional church, um, but that over 50% of those people were still willing to have conversations about Jesus. And that really challenged Brett and I on just how we were pursuing the lost and how we were meeting them where they needed, you know, to be met, where they felt comfortable. Um, and that really just shifted our whole view of of church in general, because I, I think even though we came from a Bible study background, and so we were really used to having people in our homes um, already, like we we're just naturally having Bible studies in our house already, but it was probably shifting for us, to be perfectly honest, that waking up on Sunday morning and not, you know, kind of getting a little gussied up and going to traditional church. That, <laughs> that first Sunday was kind of like, man, is this a sin? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> But, um, but I, I've really, you know, I've also really, um, embraced the pajama church lifestyle. So, uh, that's another thing altogether. But I think the bottom line was that just asking ourselves, were we really being the church ourselves, um, by, by meeting those that needed and were asking for our help, um, where they were. And so the, the, the very specific story was that, um, Brett had met some electrician or like somebody helped him with his car. Brett's always meeting random people and sharing the gospel with them. And one of those people, um, was interested to hear more and to learn more. He was newly married and struggling and he wanted some help and he was spiritually hungry. And the only time that he and his wife, because they're, you know, working, hardworking people, um, that they had off, the only day they had off was Sunday. And they what they said, can you meet with us, you know, at 10 o'clock on Sundays? And so of course, we said yes, because that's when they could meet. And so it was a it was in only lasted a few months, but it helped us to see, you know, this is this is really what it's about. And it, so it started, we started to question kind of all that we were doing and how we were spending our time wisely and how we could be the most effective. Um, and so that was a real shift for us um, and helped us to kind of get out of our comfort zone and also just out of the routine that you don't even question about yourself. Like, this is just what we do. And so we weren't questioning it at all. And so when it finally was pushed back a little bit, um, it helped us to kind of make some some shifts and changes. But what about you, Andrew? Kind of how did you get to this place, the short version? Because I really, both of us, it's gonna, it, would, it would really be a long tale if we really got it. <laughs> Tell us the, the end. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is true. We could go into great detail, but the short version is Cindy and I and our family have been involved in the, the military community really our entire marriage, and we had an involvement on Sundays with the chapel program at different installations where we were based out of. And the chapel is an interesting hybrid between what most people might think of as church in a local small town or, or even big city and what we're now doing with Church in the Harvest, because the military is such a transient community that the the demographics in a chapel program are constantly moving around. People are coming and going. And so what we found over the years is that our our real connections with people were happening from our Bible studies and the time that we were getting with them throughout the week, not just on Sunday morning. That Sunday morning was something we were familiar with, 
but it was really based more out of tradition than actually connecting with people in a deep and meaningful way. And so uh, we didn't really question that, but that was sort of happening over the years. And then we, um, we began to study this topic of church. Jesus had made, I, I read in, in Matthew's gospel where Jesus said that he would uh, build his church and it really began to get me thinking that if if a lot of where I was connecting with people was through Bible studies that I didn't quite see as being the same thing as church, but that was where I was finding life and that was where I was seeing God really work, working to change people's lives. And then what I understood to be church was this this event that was pretty limited in terms of how it was impacting my life and, and how I was seeing it impact others. Um, this event that was happening for just a few hours every Sunday morning, it just got me curious to really begin to study and try to figure out what does the Bible actually say is church. And so that started me studying it both from the scripture and also studying church history. Really a lot of what we talked about in our last episode of how did we get here. And that helped me, I think, get a biblical perspective of church, but also have the freedom to say that what I'm familiar with isn't what we're limited to when it comes to understanding the church and being part of it. When we moved down to San Diego, we made a conscious choice to not tie into a Sunday morning traditional church service. We already knew some believers down here in the area, and we already expected to be involved with them throughout the week. And so we really adopted the view that this is our church, the relationships we're having with these people throughout the week, many of whom we're not going to be going to the same Sunday service that we would be going to. So we just decided to forego the Sunday service and instead invest deeply in our relationships with those individuals where we were meeting in homes and in other third places. And that uh, has been, I would say, life-giving, very, very transformative for us. And it's also helped us invite others to to join the family, to come into this community, like you said, Abigail, without having them have to plug in with a system or a tradition that they're not familiar with and, and not really interested in being a part of. Yeah, it's um, it's so interesting. Uh, we And we talked about this earlier, how both of us um, had to shift from church being in that two-hour block on Sunday to the whole week. Um, and I, and both of us felt like that was actually very nice. It really, it frees up your time. People, you can get a lot more done in a seven day span (laughs) than in two hours. Um, so that was for sure a big deal for both of us of just making that huge shift. We talked about that a little before jumping on Abigail. And I think it's, it's, it can be a, a game changer for people. Most, most of us, when we think about well, what is church? We do limit it to, well, what's happening in that two-hour window? And a result of that is that we're trying to accomplish way too much. Like our expectations are out of proportion when it comes to what are we going to get out of this two-hour church service? And so as we talked about sharing some thoughts and some, some practical guidelines in this episode, that's one of them is just to begin thinking about what does church look like over a seven-day week versus what does church look like over a two-hour service or even a two-hour gathering in a home church. Yeah. That what's happening in that two hours is not going to adequately describe or meet the need of of what it means to be the church. So let's start thinking about what does church look like over a seven-day stretch. 
Yeah, and you um, you mentioned how you you had done a study on Axe, um, which we're going to link for you guys. Um, we're going to to put that in our show notes. Um, so if you would like to do that study as well, right, Andrew? You have online resources for people. Yeah, that's right. We did a uh, we put together a quick study on church from the Book of Acts. Uh, the Book of Acts really talks about how the early church started and grew. And there are actually 17 instances in the book of Acts where the word church is used. And so we look at all 17 of those. Uh, But it's an online Bible study that we will make available in the show notes of this episode. Cool. Yeah. So I think, and even what we talked about in our last episode, where we talked about those kind of elements just in in Acts 2, so in a a small section, um, if you try to fit all of those sort of key elements that we see there at play into a one-time meeting in your week, man, you're going to struggle and you're going to feel defeated. I promise. Cause I tried. <laughs> um, so I think for us, it really was taking a step back um, and seeing how our little flock family was looking and what they needed. And a lot of that fit in in other parts of the week. Um, and I, I kind of, there is a really great illustration from a while ago that was sort of a triangle with Jesus in that in the center of this um, equilateral triangle, and so he was the center of it all. But we also needed that point up of the triangle was our abiding with Christ and spending time in the Word and discipleship and prayer, and then the other two at the bottom we're in and out because, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, our God. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourself. And so those two at the bottom were our neighbors, were the in neighbors, which are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And are we, you know, fellowshipping together and encouraging one another and keeping each other accountable. And then the out, you know, are we loving on those that are still not in the kingdom of God? And are we, you know, sharing the gospel adequately? And so trying to think of all those three things and how they're all equal there and need to be at play it was very difficult for us to try to fit that in to our you know our one-time meeting so instead you know it's like oh well brett will meet with the guys on mondays and have you know some one-on-one accountability time and they can really have some discipleship and i can meet with the girls at another time and we'll also have dinner with these people and have you know some good fellowship and prayer time you know so it was really spreading out over our whole week, it really, um, it became that that was church for us. Um, and it's not as easy to like nail down for people. Like when they say, when do you go to church? I'm like, well, (laughs) I guess, um, (laughs) all the time, (laughs) but that has really helped us to see ways to make sure that we're healthy as a church. Um, but it's, man, that, that two-hour window, which we still do because we still feel that need to all gather together and to worship and pray and be in the Word together. Um, but that's just one one little element of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like how you put in, in our notes, Abigail, that if someone's interested in, in getting started with being church in the harvest and taking and taking this approach, following this model, that it is something that can start off with just 
one person that you don't have mm-hmm. to have a certain critical mass, a certain number, like yeah. you need 15 people before you can really get started. So <laughs> maybe share a little bit about that and how that's looked for you guys. Yeah, I, I put that in there because um, we have dwindled down to one many times. So I, I have to encourage myself with that, <laughs> with that word. Um, but just, you know, I, I guess I say that also that we just don't always have it all together. Um, I think you all believe that when you hear me talk so you know that we don't have it all together so we um we very much have just as the years have gone on we just have taken the mentality that what we have to work with is what we work with and we want to be faithful with little so that hopefully we can be faithful with much so if you just have one person that's interested in um in learning about Jesus, then just start meeting with that one person. Um, So I think that has helped us tremendously to not have just a huge plan, um, but just a real fly with the seat of your pants type of attitude of be faithful with a one person and start meeting with them. If they're willing to meet, you know, one week, then be excited they met with you that one time. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. For us, it it really starts with going back to family and flock. And so one one question that I ask is, you know, who am I committed to staying connected to and sharing life with? Because all of us are part of the church with a capital C. We're part of this worldwide uh, body of Christ. And we're, we belong to the church, but we also live localized lives. We have certain a, a certain amount of capacity for relationships. And so I think uh, what can be very helpful for for people and what was definitely helpful for us is just thinking through who are those those people that we're going to commit to staying connected with and sharing life with and then when we think about flock it's well how can we follow Jesus together in everyday life this week and and then you begin to build outward from there one practical implication for us was that we did stop going to a traditional Sunday service because when we were coming down here to San Diego, we didn't have any connections to to the existing traditional churches. And so for us to get started in attending one of those wasn't really going to help us stay connected or share life with the believers that we were already connected with. And and so focusing our our energy and our time around making sure that we're staying connected and sharing life with the lowercase church, the, the family of believers that God has placed us among, has been really helpful uh, for us. And I like the way that you, you mentioned taking the whole week. And it doesn't have to be that every person is together, that the church, again, if you think about a family, yeah, there may be a time during the week where we purposely decide to come together as a family, maybe it's a family night or a family meal, but there's also a lot of interactions that are going to happen throughout the week between individual members of that family. And uh, the, the big key is just to be connected and to be aware of what's going on in the lives of, of those that are part of our church. Yeah. And, you know, when you lead a church and you hear about other people that are involved in your church meeting without you, it's like the best day ever because you start to realize that they're catching that vision of like, and it's it's nice that you are able to do other parts of the church while they were meeting, you know, like we can all be doing this all at the same time. Um, you know, we don't just have to wait on our pastor to, you know, come and officiate. Oh, 
So um, it's it really does free up the body, the body of Christ to work together um, and to play all their little roles. So it's really, boy, and it sounds very like a utopian when I'm describing it right now, but I would like to transition... <laughs> into into, um what are some challenges you might come across because it's really sounding good so far i think we're we're playing it up rather well which i i hope we are because i hope you will see just the beauty of the body of christ working together and that that is the the ultimate takeaway but um there are also just challenges you guys um so we do want to talk about that a little bit and maybe some tips that we have caught ourselves as we've done this yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I agree with you that uh, sometimes we can romanticize about what Church in the <laughs> Harvest looks like. Uh, the reality is it's a lot like a family. It's a lot like a flock that uh, there are many aspects of it that are not glamorous, that are just day to day living out our life together of following Christ. It can be very messy. Uh, one thing I, I do want to touch on as well, I do want to talk about what do gatherings look like, because yeah. I think for a lot of people that's still what they're interested in. Like, well, if I were to stop going out to a traditional Sunday service and I was going to do church in the harvest, what would a gathering look like? And even though we're trying to make it clear that that does not, the gathering does not define church. It doesn't capture all that church is. We do still gather. We do have a weekly rhythm where, where we come together and it's not everything, but it is an important part of our life as, as the church and so we will talk some about that. We just don't want to to communicate that the church service isn't church and then just swap that over for a gathering in our home is church, that, that know that we are the church and we do gather yeah. uh, throughout the week. Yeah, and uh, I think so- maybe a good way, Andrew, to to help people see, you know, how it may look different for them is just let's start with um, the culture that we're in. Because I think for me, that was also a real turning point it was when I realized mm. I was in a San Antonian culture. And not only that, I was in subcultures of like working class people for a while there. And then we were, you know, obviously involved with the military. So we had a lot of military community. And so that dictated a lot of how we did church. And we maybe didn't right. even notice it. Um, so I, as you guys are listening, think about your own culture and where you live and the people that are around you, the people that might be interested in meeting with you. What are their work schedules like? Do they have kids? Do they have little kids? Do they have grown-up kids? You know, be thinking about what your culture that you're sort of involved in, their needs are, and how that would then impact your meeting time. So Andrew, can it tell us about your community and what that looks like? <laughs> okay, so it is a um, it is a mixed group. I would say, you know, San Diego is actually a military town. Uh, some people might not realize that, but a lot of military here in San Diego, especially Navy and Marines. So I would say about half of our church is in the military, active duty. Several others who are on the civilian side have a background with the military, but but then we do have folks that are working here in the local area who are civilians, and so it's it's a blended group for sure as far as that goes. And then with the ages, we've got a lot of younger families. I would say that um, the average age in our group is probably around 30. Okay. Uh, we have uh, young families primarily. We do have uh, some of us who are a little bit older. Our group, in terms of uh, 
our weekly gatherings will usually fluctuate between you know 25 and 35 folks right now and most of whom like i say are probably around the age of 30 if you took an average yeah and they're all kind of working nine to five jobs is that their life yeah their well, week like life I s- Right. Well, those who are in the military, as you know, that that can be a very um, that there really isn't a set schedule. A lot of times, sometimes they'll be gone for weeks on end and uh, other times they're around and life looks normal like it would look normal for for many of us who are not in the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the others, yeah, we've got folks that are working third shift, some who are working a a more regular nine to five job. Yeah. Uh, Some people work on the weekends. Awesome. So, and you guys meet on Sundays, is that right? We do gather on Sunday mornings is, is one of our key times to come together. Mm-hmm. And we didn't start out that way, but it's the time that we found that for our group, most folks are available. They do have that Sunday morning time slot where they can come together. And so I don't know if you want to dive into some of just the practical how how it looks for us, Abigail. Yes. Now that we everyone has heard together, we now know what we're looking at. So now tell us what it looks like for you guys. So in terms of our gathering, our Sunday morning gathering, we will usually gather around 10 a.m. We do meet in homes primarily. It moves around from, from different homes, just whoever has the capacity to host. Sometimes we'll meet uh, at an outdoor park or a different outdoor venue. Thankfully, San Diego's a pretty nice place year-round, so we actually can meet meet outdoors most of the time if we wanted to. But we actually start with a meal. So every Sunday morning, we have a breakfast where everyone will bring something, and we start off for the first uh, 35, 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> just sharing a meal together, talking, uh, catching up, um, And then around 11 a.m., we will actually roll into a time of sharing and prayer. We do that by looking back over the past seven days, and we want to share together what are some of the things that we're thankful for over the past seven days and acknowledge that God is the source of those things. So it's one of our ways of giving worship to God is just acknowledging that his hand is at work in our lives and sharing that with others. Uh, Then there are also needs that we have. And so we also share this is something that's going on or I know of someone who's going through something and we have a time of of then praying together. So share in prayer for us uh, will typically take 20 or 30 minutes. It's very interactive. And then after that, we've actually started doing some singing. We haven't always done that. And I don't think that singing is necessary, that we have to do that. So if you if you don't have someone who's musically inclined, you can still worship God by acknowledging his hand at work in your life and giving him credit. You don't have to set that to music. Um, some people would disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people would, but that's why I want to say it. <laughs> Um, it's causing a scandal. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, then, but then we move into a time of looking at the scriptures together. And right now we're going through the gospel of Luke. We typically will take one story from the book of Luke and we will take turns working through that together. Someone will facilitate, but it's not always the same person, but someone will guide the discussion. And we really work through the passage by asking three questions, what, so what, and now what? And so we'll read through it as a group once, and then we'll we'll talk about what did we see, what's happening. Then we'll read through it again, and we'll talk about so what, which is, well, why is this important? Why did Luke put this in? 
in his gospel. And then eventually we'll ask, now what? Okay, what do we need to do about it? And it's a pretty simple way of, of going through any passage of Scripture. And you could even do it with another individual. If you're going through a, a Bible study with one other person, you can, you can look at those three questions. What, so what, now what? And how are we going to live this out through the week? And so we'll do that as a group. And that usually takes takes us to about 12, 1230. And that wraps up our, our typical Sunday gathering. Cool. I like it. Ours is super similar. We are a little smaller group. It's usually about eight to 10, depending on the group, sometimes a little larger, but, um, and it's very, very mixed. Uh, I was trying, as you were giving kind of the rundown of your people, and I was asking you that question, I was thinking, how am I going to answer that? We've had just the most eclectic group. And I think that just comes from the fact that, you know, most of these people are either, you know, Brett and I have invited them from just our relationship out in the world. Um, So people we meet at Brett's job or just people we meet through going about, you know, the things of our day, um, and they've become part of our church family. And so that means we have very blue collar hard workers that work, yeah, third shifts type things. And then we have we had a, a widow lady who is in her 60s, who, you know, is sort of in a retirement phase for a while. And so just all ages and all walk like times and seasons of life. Right now we have three single ladies in their th- I said ladies really sleazily and I'm sorry. Um, in uh, in their like 30s, uh, working full time jobs and traveling a lot. So it's just really all all over the place and all different sort of walks of life coming together, which is really interesting and I think good for all of us. Uh, and we've also have lots of young families because that's what I I tend to meet those people. So we usually have a lot of babies and then a lot of school age children, um, which I thought babies were actually the hardest thing to have in a church, but I was wrong. It's actually five <laughs> five to ten year olds. That's the hardest. <laughs> So I've now learned that that's so um, we've really had to change things up um, with children, depending on how many kids we'll have in in the house at a time. And we too move around a lot. Um, I think it's very similar to you guys will be in different people's homes for a while there. It depended on who had just had a baby and we would meet in that person's house. (laughs) So it was very like who needs us to be there with them so that they don't have to leave their house. And so that's where we would go. So it was very much on it, the need of the church, um, which I liked that aspect of, you know, we can really change from week to week if we need to. And so that for sure has, has been an adjustment for my little like needs to have a schedule and a plan mind. And then we've also done children's church um, at different times, depending on how many kids we have. But we've also... I, because I tend to have to lead children's time, um, if it's just a whole bunch of kids, I've started teaching other moms how to do kids church with their own kids. And I'll encourage them to do kids church at a different time during the week as a family, we call it family church. And that's helped us to then let the kids go play during that meeting time and not have to think, oh, man, we're not investing in our children at all here. So they'll join in for the first part, which is our worship time and prayer time, just like yours. And so they will they can sit quietly for that and join in and share their prayer requests and we'll pray for their friends at school or whatever. And then they'll go off and play and we'll make sure they're all 
all staying alive somewhere and safe, but we're not doing a Bible time with them then, which we have done in the past. And I can talk about that forever. You guys, it's one of my passions. So I could just do that at another juncture. But for the time being, it's really been about helping other moms and other families really to learn how to equip their own kids and teach their own kids. And most most people don't know how to do that. And they do need help in those areas. So I'm big on learning new things to pass on to our church. And so that too is part of that equipping throughout the week and having church be the big picture. So I went on a little tangent there with the kids, but I know if you're listening and you've ever had kids in church, you're probably obsessed with it because it is a big problem and a big like worry for everybody. In fact, I get that question maybe more than any question. What do you do with the kids? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually, I know several people who, that's the reason why they're going to a traditional right. church because they just don't know what to do and with I the kids it. or they they just assume that their kids are going to be missing out, which I would just say we found just oh, the opposite to. Uh, for our kids to be able to see that that church isn't just something that we go to and then the rest of our week happens, but that this is a part of our family life and, and faith is is a part of it. I think it's been... It's been a lot less uh, uniform and a lot less tidy, but I think what our kids have picked up from it is just the genuineness of our faith and how it it influences all of our life. Oh yeah. So I would encourage people because uh, what's what most most of the times what's happening when people go to a traditional church is they're outsourcing yeah. the kids. So the kids go to a nursery, and then yes, of course, it's very quiet, and you can listen to what the pastor is saying, but. There's still chaos happening. You're just not aware of it. It's happening yes. over in the Friends, nursery. It's so. always still happening. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I think there's such a really a huge, huge thing for all of us to maybe get our hands and just around the, the our heads around the idea that these children are, are part of the church. Um, and whether, you know, they're not necessarily right. the center of attention, but they do need to learn to be aware of what their parents are doing. Um, And our kids for sure know intimately what church is because it's in their house several times a week in different forms. Um, And so that has, I think, helped our conversations, especially with our oldest son and even our five-year-old. I mean, well, we do some scripture memory sometimes where people will be like, oh, you know, quote the Great Commission or something. And there was one week where someone was struggling with the Great Commission, like they've forgotten a word. And my five-year-old just like popped out with it. And we didn't even know she knew it because that's the kind of great parents we are. (laughs) And we were just like, what? How did she know the Great Commission? But it was because she'd been hearing it over and over and over again at church. And so that was a great reminder for me, um, especially when they're loud or whiny or, you know, someone throws a fit, that this is actually really worth it. Um, So we just promise that it will be very messy, but it will also be really worth it. Um, So, yeah, I could go on about that forever. And we are, yeah, Yeah, we're running out of time. But, yeah, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just thinking that there, there is. This is a topic we're very passionate about, and we we live it week in and week out. Thankfully, one of our goals is to actually have a follow up, a question and answer episode where, if there's something that we've talked about in this episode or the last that sparked a thought or a question in your mind, but we didn't quite 
answer it or we didn't get around to it, we're going to still have the chance to continue this this conversation and get even more into some practical aspects of being church in the harvest. And so that's that's something we still yes. have available to us. Yeah, absolutely. We did want to throw that out to you guys again in this episode that if you have any questions, and please somebody ask me a question about kids' church because I didn't want to talk about it some more. So um, yeah, <laughs> shoot us a question, um, make it specific, and we'll try to cover it in that next Q&A podcast episode that we have coming up. And we also just want to share with you that we are going to throw that act study in the show notes of this episode, as well as a little book list that Andrew and I have both found really useful in covering this particular topic. Because boy, two episodes probably wasn't even enough. So we want to give you some some other little things to chew on and get whatever you know you can get out of this topic. And we would love to hear this what you think about it. We want this to be an ongoing conversation. This is not the end. So it'll be in our show notes. It will also just if you go to our website into the harvest.org slash podcast 10, which is this episode, you can also see all of that there as well. So we yes, this is not the end. We've definitely gone over time today. But I think it was for a good cause because this is something we love. So thank you so much for listening to us today and go on about this. So yeah, we hope it was useful. Yeah, well, Abigail, if I could just recap what we've covered today as we land the plane. The first is just take the time to really understand what church is. And the Bible describes it as family and flock because everything else is going to flow out of that, how church should look, where church should be happening. So that's that's one thing that we talked about. We also talked about identifying who are the people that you're going to be the church with in your local context. So identify those people and those relationships that you're going to commit yourself to sharing life with and learning how to follow Jesus with together and then prioritize those relationships and structure your your weekly schedule around doing that together. And then the third thing is try to be relevant to your context. So if you're, for for us, we're connected with the military, but uh, we also have people that are involved in the community. You've got the freedom to be relevant to the people around you, many of whom are not are not going to church, they're not part of a church, uh, but like Abby said, they are open to discussions about Jesus. So what would church look like to reach those people and to draw them into the family of faith? Yes. I, and I, I want to just re-say that start seeing your church as a full week and not just a two-hour little window. I think it will help you so much in being able to implement all the things that make up a healthy church um, by having that whole span of time there. So, yes. Okay. All right. That's it. We promise. We're done. (laughs) We love you guys. Please keep the questions coming. um, And we love chatting with you on Instagram and Facebook and in our emails. So keep talking to us. We love it. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can help us reach more people by going to iTunes, subscribing, and leaving a review. And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend about us. In an age of social media, word of mouth is still the most powerful way to spread the message.